0: Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barkers UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we continue to follow the latest news from Ukraine and its effects on markets, as well as looking at whether the trend towards increased savings, alongside a steep rise in inflation, should concern investors. With Miles Sherry, Investment Consultant, Alan Budenberg, investment consultant, and Jean-Paul Jaegers, Head of Asset Allocation. If you are new to investing, want to learn more about investing, or want tips on how to manage your long-term financial plans, check out our sister podcast channel, Money Plan, available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud.
1: Hello and welcome back to Word on the Street. We'll primarily focus today on the bigger picture view around the savings trend we saw in the midst of the pandemic and how that is changing as we hopefully continue to come out the other side. But JP, before we do, we've very sadly seen fighting intensify over the last week and more sanctions have been imposed on Russia in response. Now, first and foremost, our thoughts, of course, remain with those impacted during these pretty bleak times. But clients and customers do look to us to guide them through the investment backdrop. So what's the latest there from a market's
2: perspective? Hi, Mileson and Alan. Yes, it, it has been an incredibly busy week um, with a lot of announcements and developments, uh, mostly driven about the geopolitical event where Russia in, invaded Ukraine, uh, which, of course, is a grave humanitarian disaster. Uh, but what, what, what have we seen so far? So we've seen... EU sanctions on the number of Russian banks taking them off the SWIFT payment system. Uh, we've seen sanctions on the central bank in Russia, which are extremely rare measures. We've seen EU arms provision to Ukraine. We've seen air force uh, airspace bans for Russian planes in Europe, Canada, US. We've seen the UK fast tracking laws to curb oligarchs money in the UK. Then we had an historic announcement in Germany, where Germany is investing a hundred billion euros in, in the army and is targeting a 2% of GDP uh, defense spending. Uh, and of course, there has been a long list of companies cutting ties or completely moving away from Russia. Uh, and also a number of sovereign wealth funds and endowments liquidating all holdings uh, related to Russia. As a result, we've seen the ruble is down very significantly, so the ruble is down more than forty percent. And we've seen the central bank in Russia had to increase interest rates from nine and a half percent to twenty per cent and impose capital controls. Russia also banned settlements with foreigners, so that means for example any coupons or princip- principal payments on Russian bonds are banned now. And yeah, in in, in in that whole conflict, we've seen all prices rising well in excess of hundred dollars a barrel despite the international energy agency deploying emergency stocks by releasing 60 million barrels
1: a very very busy busy week to, to say the least and as you alluded to there that commodity exposure in some of our portfolios and funds continues to obviously offset some of the negative sentiment we've seen in in parts of the stock market but look many hope that if we did see an invasion not that anyone hoped that in itself conflicts would not go on for that long but unfortunately that does not so far at least appear to be the case as i said last week our direct exposure to the russian market is pretty minimal but the longer this goes on the more chance i expect it will dampen the potential prospects in terms of economic growth more generally so have expectations changed at all in in that sense
2: Well, this is a very good question and not an easy one to answer. Of course, we we don't know how this will evolve. Likely, historians will tell you that generals always plan for a swift and overwhelming victory. But in practice, that's actually quite hard and most of times take far longer than expected. Uh, There's still a lot of uncertainty and the exact implications for the outlook on economic growth and inflation. Uh, There's, of course, downside risk to the growth outlook. So we, for example, know that financial conditions become less favorable. We know that consumer confidence may be affected. And of course, commodity price rises are a headwind here. And for inflation in particular, the rise in the price of oil and general commodities likely pushes inflation higher in the near term. Uh, where we start already from an elevated level. So clouding the outlook for inflation for central banks even more.
1: Yeah, look, markets aside, a great humanitarian tragedy, indeed, as yes. you said. So so, so the, the conflict will clearly remain top of minds, and, uh, and you and my team will continue to clearly monitor developments as they unfold. But let's turn our attention to household savings, because when thinking about longer term growth prospects, the shape of the consumer is pretty important. Now, during the pandemic, we saw the savings rate increase. So basically, households were in general at least saving more of their income as we were obviously stuck in lockdown for many months and could not essentially live our normal lives. So how did that compare to history? I guess in reality, there aren't really too many comparisons we can turn to in truth.
2: Yes, that's exactly right, Miles. So normally what we would see is if economic growth hits a pothole, we see unemployment rising as businesses adjust. But what makes the recent few years very different is that we've seen governments step in. So, for example, with furlough schemes being applied mainly in the UK and various EU countries, this in order to dampen the long-lasting damage the national lockdown would bring. And in essence, bridging the gap to the end of this pandemic or keeping as many individuals employed as realistically possible, uh, that's a very direct way of counter-cyclical policy via fiscal intervention, whereas previously in recessions, what we've mainly seen is central banks stepping in and providing uh, counter-cyclical policy. Because now we've seen both the fiscal and the monetary policy work in conjunction.
1: Yeah, and bringing you in here, Alan, this all clearly impacted consumer spending patterns and ultimately investments too. And there are some really interesting points here, aren't there?
3: Yeah, thank you, Miles. Yeah, there are some interesting points here. We're well, obviously, thinking about the consumer, so how much money they've got saved is a really important point. Thinking about what's going to happen ahead, as JP talked about some of the headwinds of inflation. But there's some pretty big numbers uh, involved here. Now, one thing you can start to look at is U.S. money market funds, and which is where many U.S. consumers, they hold their money. Now, before the pandemic, that was going around the three trillion level. But that rose to about five trillion. So there's some big savings there. UK, in the UK, uh, our savings ratio, our average savings ratio, going back, say, over the last 10 years, that's about just under 9%. But that, uh, that increased to about 27% in uh, 2020. So it's fallen back, back to about average levels. So we've still got some of that money we've saved. But I think it's worth noting, Miles, one of the things we should talk about today is just this word of average because there's some very different stories going on there in the world. It doesn't just tell you the whole story.
1: Spot on because, you know, those, those saving numbers are, are absolutely interesting. But in reality, the, the number in some respects may actually have been far higher because those numbers don't include payments that people are making on, say, their debit cards when depositing money in things like retail investment accounts. And whilst that's obviously different to, to cash savings, some people probably did regard that as savings in, in some respects. And card payments there roughly doubled during the pandemic. So in reality, as you're kind of alluding to there, the overall savings ratio may actually have been uh, a fair bit higher in truth.
2: First, the the yeah the, the sort of expenditure that households were f- uh, forced to forego during the pandemic is not easily replaced. It's quite complex. So we, we see an enormous chunk of the total spending drop stemmed from declines in hospitality and transport. And although we may try to catch up on those, uh, consumers are unlikely to make up for all canceled flights, hotel stays and restaurants meals. Uh, second, uh, what we should think about is the marginal propensity to spend. So whilst many of the savings and accumulation of wealth may be by the individuals with a higher net worth, so they may not necessarily reverse all those gains. And third, uh, sustained periods of elevated inflation, as we see now, reduce it, reduces the purchasing power over time as well. Because so when we think like an economist about the potential spending habits for the next few years as one of the drivers of economic growth, then a number of question marks still remain.
3: Yeah, the, uh, the Bank of England were, were commenting about this. I don't know if you saw the produced report last year, and it was around the people who had the savings, what they're going to do with those savings. And they were talking about, about just over a quarter who said they're going to spend some of their savings. Only about 13% were going to spend more than half of it. So what that implies is around only about 10% of these accumulated savings are going to be spent. Now, let's go back to the point we talked about before, about averages. Uh, there's some interesting news from the CEO of PayPal. Obviously, they see lower and browser transactions all across the world. And it was interesting what they were saying, that they were saying that the, the lower-income cohorts uh, were impacted in the amount of payments they made sort of in the last quarter. So it's really interesting that you've got quite a bit of the savings that are going to be saved, and some of the people have already spent their savings as well.
1: Yeah, just expanding on that point there around retail sales. You know, we we know that they have been relatively strong actually across uh, developed markets such as the US, UK, and Europe. So, so what does that suggest, Alan? What do you make of that?
3: Yeah, Miles. Um, I think it's a, an interesting point. So, what we look at is the trend, the long-term trend of retail sales, and those have been well above. And what's been interesting is been, it's been the UK and the US, which have been strong. And that's been a lot of that has been the furlough packages and support packages we've, we've given. And the, when you look at those retail sales, they've been well above them. So while you talk about supply chain problems, we've actually been supplying more goods than we've ever been supplying before. So all these talks about we can't deliver things on time. It's really more in terms of the numbers. Which have been uh, increased and which have caused some of those supply chain issues
1: Yeah, and again, there's significant dispersion, I guess as well, under the bonnet, isn't there, because some parts of the retail market have actually benefited uh, considerably more than, than other parts.
3: Yeah, some obvious ones aren't the miles that so we've all been uh, doing a bit of DIY at home. I think the interesting one, going back to our point about different people have being impacted different ways, the luxury sector. Uh, we saw those having a number of earnings upgrades and they're commenting about how they're selling now more at full price. So their need to discount has been reduced. And some of the companies were talking about revenge buying or buying yourself a treat after you've been uh, you've been locked up for, for a number of months. And that's been some of the more expensive brands. So this this is the point we're talking about, about large amount of savings but different parts of, of the uh, of the economy are spending it in different ways and saving it in different ways, Miles.
1: And the vast majority of our listeners, of course, will no doubt be be based in the UK. So what have we seen there in terms of our, our home market, if you like?
3: Yeah, some interesting uh, stories, again, from the Bank of England. If you look at the Bank of England inflation data, Miles, it shows a category called other goods, which is uh while i was listening to one of the bank of england governors talking and they were calling this the patio furniture category so that's when we've been all been going out and buying things and it's those it's those goods that we've been going out and buying which have had a quite a boost to inflation so certainly there is those savings they have been buying goods and the consumer has been an important part of this of this recovery miles
1: So picking up on inflation there, it's something we've spoken about countless times in truth on on recent episodes. But what's the latest views there, JP? And maybe approaching it from a slightly different angle, you and the team have said before that you're not too concerned with the idea of stagflation, so where inflation is higher and and growth is somewhat mute. But has the thinking there changed at all?
2: Of course, with the developments we are seeing now, we are moving on the spectrum of stagflation. So that's something that, yeah, yeah if, if 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 the facts change, the situation changes. So definitely, there, yeah, as as I mentioned before, the, the growth outlook might be more challenged, and definitely see the risk of a higher inflation. And and part of it is what Alan was just referring to is is we came out of a pandemic where supply chain issues or spending patterns were quite different, resulting in a period of elevated inflation. We now get a, a, a different source which is driven by energy. So if you ask me for, the, for our thoughts on the outlook for inflation, I would say, well, if only we knew. It's uh, The pandemic and, 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 and supply chain challenges resulted in a burst of inflation. So inflation has been hotter and more persistent than most central banks expected. Of course, a part of that will be temporary and other parts will not. And what we now see is a rather widespread uh, acceleration in prices. If we look at, dive in the cpi indices so in its cons- constituents and across the different measures Just it seems to be harder to explain away just by outliers although we all still like the the patio furniture but in the near term it's likely that uh, inflation will accelerate simply due to oil and the commodities what we see there but for central banks and just the general outlook where inflation in the end will settle there remains a lot of fog around yeah uh, around that final destination for Inflation. Of course, central banks are closely monitoring wages as one of the channels uh, where a sustained period of elevated inflation may be seeping into societal consciousness. And look, Alan, Alan's obviously
1: discussed in detail there the impact this all has on on consumers. And clearly, most people listening today will probably be ultimately consumers, but also investors too. So, are there any kind of further points to make from the investment perspective?
2: Well, if you would purely look to the outlook for inflation and think about in, 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 in risks as, as, as investor, then inflation remains a potential risk. So especially if it accelerates or stays too long, uh, too high, for too long, uh, it may be seeping into expectations and raised pressures, and that's why central banks are closely monitoring these developments because then they would have to step up to curb inflation with the policy a lot of financial assets over long periods of time have actually been conditioned on a low interest rate environment. So if we get into an environment where you see high interest rates, that may act- actually challenge some of the asset prices and valuations. Uh, but as always, we would recommend to clients to remain diversified across a broad range of assets and apply a bit of humility on the long-term views.
1: Yeah, a very interesting point to end on. And whilst we've certainly seen the savings boom boost spending many companies have clearly used this as an opportunity to review their pricing too and while we talk about cost increasing some of those costs are actually probably due to companies seeing strong demand as, as alan alluded to earlier but look we we've hit time so we'll leave it there and uh, and as ever we will we'll continue to keep up to speed as things develop over over the course of the week
0: all investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.